0: Right, welcome to another episode of No Investment Advice. We've got the NIA boys here. Jack Butcher, founder of Visualized Value, Trunk Fan, Me Master Flex himself, and this is Bilal Zaidi as always. Boys, we got a big one to go through today. It's been a, it's been a heavy, heavy week. So uh, let's just let people know what we're talking about today. We're talking about Bitcoin all-time highs, obviously. We need to get the Fiat fan fiat fan reaction uh, since he's up heavy. Uh, we're going to talk about Bitcoin ETF, what that kind of means. We're going to talk about Facebook being a metaverse company. Um, and then also Apple had a, a big event and they talked about their new M2 chips. We're going to talk about how Apple shook Intel and how that's evolved over time. And then the last section, we're going to talk about um, keeping your NFT secure. This is something really important we've been wanting to do for a while. There's been quite a few hacks like the Creature Toads hack, which we'll give a summary of as well. And if we get time, we'll talk about Square um, on the 4D chest. That's still going on. So, boys, let's kick it off. Fiat fan, how you feeling, mate? You're you're definitely up from the time that you bought it live on the pod.
1: Okay, so what is the dollar count? What are you guys seeing right now for BTC and ETH? Bitcoin is sixty six
2: thousand three hundred fifty seven. Ethereum is four thousand. One hundred and tw- oh no, four thousand ninety eight dollars and sixty nine cents.
0: There we oh, go. Oh my goodness, it's meant man. to be.
1: Well, I mean, we should go back to the episode because it was funny. It was waffling around episode five, right? So, like, I had the money lined up, nothing crazy, but like, we had Packy McCormick on the episode, and then you guys are like, Hey, whoa, you who's custodying the funds? Like, where, who's holding the coins? Are you sure you want to do it like this? And then you guys actually saved me because it was at like it was at like twenty five hundred ETH and like forty thousand Bitcoin when you told me to hold back. And then it dipped again. I'm like, guys, if I wait and try to time this thing, it's never gonna happen. So it turns out I actually timed this recent one perfectly. I got ETH at two K and then Bitcoin at thirty K. But here's the other part that's hilarious. I bought some more at fifty five. And when I told Jack, I bought it at 55K, I went, Jack, I bought Bitcoin at 55K. I'm clearly all in. Jack, what did you type to me? You're like, you no, didn't buy you, Bitcoin.
2: Uh, yeah, because you did say something negative about it, right? You said, you, I'm clearly, I think it, because there was a little dip after you bought it. You know, like I said, uh, no, Tren, you didn't buy Bitcoin. You preserved your wealth behind an encrypted wall of energy. <laughs> Pulled a Mylo- Michael Saylor line out I was every time say you're that in,
0: sounds like a Michael <laughs> Saylor one.
2: Every time you're in doubt about your purchasing decisions with regards to Bitcoin, just stick a little Michael Saylor podcast on and all will be well. <laughs> Get the
0: pump going in yeah. <laughs> more ways than one. Yeah. So but you Trump, pre- you're up. You're up now. Or well, everyone's Wait, everybody up. Everybody up. Everyone's up because yeah. all time high. <laughs> That's a mathematical, not not mathematical advice, is what I say.
1: Okay. Uh, I, am I losing you guys? Because what I will say is this, I'm up, okay, I'm up, whatever, 2x. It feels awful, because I could have put that money into a toad or a boarding <laughs> yacht club, and I'd be up 30 times, right? I mean, I mean, Bilal, you brought this up last week. This is just a new reality we live in. Um, like 2x uh... gains in three months, they're unacceptable. They're unacceptable. I'm so unhappy right now.
0: And I have to say that the toads, to be fair, are down since the last time we spoke significantly, so... So yeah, a big part of what's uh, fueled the Bitcoin all-time highs, and we don't know what the price is by the time you're listening to this, uh, but hopefully it's kept going up, um, is this Bitcoin ETF approval. So let's quickly talk a little bit about that. Like, What exactly is this? Because for a lot of people who don't follow this space, you know, you're used to buying stuff in ETF form, like a Vanguard index fund or something like that and essentially from my understanding an etf is going to allow a lot more people into the space obviously uh like from institutional investors um to people who don't who can't custody bitcoin themselves for like legal reasons there's like a bunch of reasons for that um but yeah is there anything else to add on the bitcoin etf i mean the one thing i want to call out is it's a futures-based etf does do any of you know what that means I feel like Trung might know sounds like a yeah. CFA question yeah yeah exactly <laughs>
1: well they're going to have to update their curriculum if they want to stay relevant right uh so i mean a good a good analogy is the gold ETF right GLD uh which is uh, the most widely uh bought a uh, gold ETF i think they have 25 billion in gold. So the gold ETF, they actually GLD actually holds the gold, right? They actually own the gold physically or they store it somewhere. And then they the issue shares out essentially of this ETF, which you can buy. And uh the part of the ETF function is that you can redeem and create shares, which helps uh fluctuate, you know, the ETF with the underlying asset price, like pretty well, like right now, there isn't an ETF, but there is the uh, the grayscale Bitcoin trust, which was the one that a lot of people used to uh, purchase instead of in lieu of an ETF for the past few years.
2: How does the structure of that differ from an ETF?
1: So I think uh, the creation, oh, so the uh, the grayscale is closed, right? So what that means is they can't create uh, and issue new shares. It's like, they, it's much harder for them to track Bitcoin exactly. So uh, at different times, they'll have a large discount or a large premium to the underlying price of uh, Bitcoin. But having said that is like, if you have zero, uh, a tech ability, like me, fiat fan, you're better off getting the grayscale than doing nothing. Right. Which is what I made the mistake of doing like a year ago. I wanted to buy Bitcoin. I literally couldn't figure it out because I'm uh, just a total noob. And, uh, I, uh, and, and, and a lot of the Canadian accounts were throttling how much you could deposit. And I'm like, this a year ago this time, I'm like, listen, I just want to put 50K into Bitcoin because somebody just tell me how to do this. And there's just nowhere where they would let me do that at that amount at that time, right? But if I just done Grayscale, I could have done that because I had the mon- money in Fidelity and Fidelity can uh, buy and sell uh, Grayscale. Uh, I didn't do that. So I lost out a lot of the gains and we made fun of me, which is great. But uh, so well, how this, the Bitcoin ETF, that this is being called the pro shares is it's a futures base because there's very, there's very specific reason as to why the U S government and the SEC hasn't determined how they want people. uh, They haven't created all the rules around custodying Bitcoin, right? They haven't made it very clear to every institution is like, Hey, if you're going to custody Bitcoin for your clients, these are all the rules you have to have in place. However, they have futures regulations, right? So there's a very long list of commodities, futures trading regulations. So basically this is a future based ETF and the U S government, they never, they, the SEC didn't condone this, but they also didn't stop it because they know that because it's futures based, that is under the purview of the CFTC, which is the Confu- the commodities futures exchange or whatever it's called the commission. I think it's a commodities futures trading commission. So this is under the purview and has the protections of at least some agency which has set out guidelines for futures, which is the reason why. And then I saw a lot of like memes of people being like, you know what? The really funny one, actually, from that Jerome Powell uh, Twitter account. Uh, it was just like uh, what Bitcoin is versus the Bitcoin ETF. It's like uh, I don't know if I can say what it is, but the whole point being like you guys might have saw it. It's probably not safe for work. But the whole point being is like, why would you buy Bitcoin ETF, futures ETF when you just buy Bitcoin and it's actually for all the reasons just laid out, right? There's idiots like me, like that are quote unquote tech savvy. that can't even figure it out, right? And, that, uh, and that's the thing. So for and- anyone
0: listening, for most people, buying Bitcoin directly is already fine, right? But like, like Cash you said, app, there's just-
1: Coinbase, a, yeah, there's still exactly. a lot. There's,
0: there's a lot of places you can already do it. But there is a whole a whole segment of people who just feel comfortable at this scale. And kind of like we talked about last week on the Web3 uh, kind of like checkpoints or whatever the phrase is we used uh, inflection points sorry um, like to me this is one of the big ones as well right like where you know like the big institutional people see this as a, a positive signal essentially and there's been a hundred of these signals uh, but this is just another big one um, so anyway yeah we've seen uh, things pump we've broken the all-time highs which has been you know bitcoin has basically been trading sideways kind of for like six months or so like kind of went down and went sideways for ages um, at the time of recording, uh, Ethereum hasn't broken all-time high. I think we're still a couple hundred dollars off that, but it's you know basically pumped quite significantly today. So yeah, October, as people had talked about, and Q4, uh, the Q4 pump is seems to be kicking off like a lot of people had been predicting. Um, is there anything else to call out on on the ETF?
2: So one thing I was going to say, I think Pump tweeted this that there was five hundred and seventy million dollars. Mm. Of deposits yeah i think a billion dollars of trading volume but 570 million uh capital behind it as of one day of trading and what do you say gold was at GLDs at 25 billion yeah Some i think that's what they have under, comparison. I, don't,
1: I don't know what their daily volume is though i think uh mm. I, i'd have to check that but uh it's obviously much higher right now the other thing i'd actually uh, jack you mentioned this in our twitter a uh, three-way twitter dm uh you sent a tweet from Raul paul Raul pal the legend mm. from real vision a uh, long-time investor, finance guru. He was making a great point, though, is, like, he was not crazy about the futures ETF, even though it's a step in the right, right direction. But I think uh, he said something to the point of, like, it's just another middleman getting mm-hmm. in the way of, like, you know what I mean? He's like, he brought up, actually, uh, Sarah, uh, Saramucci, uh, Anthony Saramucci, the big investor that worked there with Trump, the White House, for 10 days. The mooch. Uh, but, yeah, the mooch. But his whole point about the mooch was, like, so... The rise of Bitcoin let so many people uh, that would have been shut out the opportunity to build wealth, but then Saramuchi goes out, raises whatever four hundred million dollars, and institutionalizes purchase of Bitcoin. And nothing wrong with this at all, but like. He in absolute dollar terms might walk away with more than you know a lot mm-hmm. of everybody else that have these chance you know punters like regular Joe's like you and me like ten years ago that put in or like Bilal Zaidi in 2017 throwing a couple uh, sh- a couple shekels into Bitcoin <laughs> but like even though he's up <laughs> a thousand X he only put in whatever how many dollars Saramucci comes in here puts in four hundred mil even though it only 10 X is his absolute dollar gain is massive. Right. I think that's what mm-hmm. the, the point that Raul was trying to make or Raul, sorry. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Is um, it's just that this was meant to be decentralized and for democratized finance, but it looks like, you know, good old finance is just getting their hooks in there.
2: Well, yeah, and I think it's like just where the capital is stored. And to like your point, Trung, like if you're not, like someone who writes about finance is interested in finance and you know, that's like kind of your professional focus. Yeah. If you're not in a position not to done. buy Bitcoin, <laughs> then you know, how many people are there that are underneath your level of understanding right. and how many people have their investable assets either in a 401k or like not, they're not personally making investment decisions and, and like moving capital in and out of like allocations. So Yes, I think there's like, yeah, it's kind of a, uh, there's a argument to be made that it's against the philosophy, but there's another argument to be made that like, if you wait for everyone to figure out how to self custody it, then how much of the run up that people miss out on? And uh, totally, it's just, it's, it's kind of a, the way the world functions and that we're getting to the point of the, you know, Trung's mom with the, the metal engraved key under the kettlebell, if that's the entry point, then uh, you're not going to see Bitcoin hit 10, 100x what it is today.
0: And I, I was going to, you, you mentioned Scaramucci or the Mooch, just uh, now Trunk. I, I listened to something with him a little bit earlier today. Um, and he was talking about, I mean, he's really down a rabbit hole, by the way. Like, I don't know if you've heard him talk about this stuff, but he seems to be pretty down a rabbit hole. Obviously, that's a big part of his His business right but um but he was talking about sovereign wealth funds and kind of like like he was talking about basically rich arabs that he represents their money and like looks after their money and six months ago when things were starting to drop they were getting worried and he had to fly out there and convince them like hey look this is long-term play etc etc and uh but he was saying like something like this um like the etf even if it's just a futures one again it's that kind of seal of approval for someone who is more old school the same way a Forbes article is a seal of approval for someone like from a certain generation even if we might not care that much about that but like ultimately you know if you want to get to a billion wallets is what he was saying you do need all of these things to kind of keep things moving in motion it's network
2: effects right it's like the um you have to tap into the institutions that have network effect more so than rely on building network effect from scratch maybe a good analogy as well as like angel investors versus like publicly traded companies like obviously there are financial rules around that so but forget that for a second if the accreditate accredited investor laws were wiped out tomorrow how many people are going to be confidently cutting angel checks versus people that are buying a couple shares of something that's listed on the new york stock exchange that to me is like just even even like take the technical stuff out of it for a second. Like you said, it's like got a lot to do with institutional approval. And if you spend time on like crypto Twitter, maybe your like your understanding of most people's view of the world is a bit out of whack. I'm on holiday with my in laws at the moment and believe me, they're not going and self custodying <laughs> any Bitcoin or Ethereum anytime soon.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, the other thing i mentioned is i also listened to sbf uh sam Bankman-Fried, who we talked about uh, last episode i think um and he did a great interview with the invest like the best guy really good interview for to check it out um but he was also talking about kind of like the like all the regulation stuff it kind of it is there's so still so many steps to get to the next stage and he he thinks like obviously regulation is fine when it is there to protect people or whatever. So um, yeah, I'm probably butchering like a summary of what he was saying. But again, this is all in my head anyway, all positive steps. It's not like anything negative about it, except I don't fully understand the impact on price uh, in terms of like the futures versus spot. Um, and then secondly, yeah, of course, if everyone put that money directly into the network and you know it was on the actual blockchain and, and everything like that, then there's a, a positive side to that as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's kind of the summary is it's a positive step. Things are moving in the right direction and um, brings us on to the next topic, which is big tech kind of doing some crazy stuff. So Facebook have an event um, and they officially have come out and said that there will be a metaverse company, I think. Right. So what do you guys take from this? Um, you know, like th- this is a word we use quite a lot in, in the stuff we talk about in Web3. And it seems like a lot of the big tech players are almost like scared to use that word. So I'm curious how, what you guys think about that.
1: Uh, I'll jump in super quickly and just talk about, uh, we're going to talk way more about this next week. So let's just say that first, when the actual event happens is October 28th. Uh, so actually by the time people start hear this, the event's probably happening that day. So we don't want to look totally dated. But it, the first thing is uh, Zuckerberg wants to rename the company, rebrand the company, uh, and he said, it's because they want to be known as a metaverse company, which is just so cringe on so many levels. And like, obviously, crypto Twitter just took him to shreds over it. Um, but, uh, you know, for Zuck, it's very simple. It's like, he, he's been trying to claim a platform for uh, since the beginning, essentially of Facebook. So like, there's a very famous email about a decade ago that came out. He wrote to his team internally, why they want to buy unity technologies. They are the game maker that competes with Epic. So uh, Epic and unity are the two biggest gaming engines in the world. And, um, uh, unity actually, I think might've done doom, uh, and, uh, quake, but, uh, they're, they're, they're a massive company now. They're like 40, 50 billion dollar company. But the whole point being is like in that, in that, in that uh, email, he wrote to his team is like, he wanted to own a platform and that ended up being his now his VR play. And he wanted to kind of own that entire world. It's it's because, and we're seeing it now he knew how much he was at the whim of Apple. Right. And uh, smartphones. And he knew that, and we're seeing it now, Apple's completely kneecapped Facebook's advertising business. Not like, not like, Existen- existentially, but like materially, like five to 10% of their revenue has been hit by Apple's new privacy rules that we've talked about, which basically ask any iPhone user if they want their data to be tracked. It's asked in such a way where you're obviously going to say no, right? And uh, And actually the article came out from the Financial Times saying that not only has it materially affected Facebook's business, it's affected almost all other digital advertisers and Apple's share of advertising on its phone has just exploded. Not a shocker, right? People are dumping money to now rank on top of uh, Apple's app store searches. They did it before, but now with these new privacy rules, it's just gone through the roof. So I'm saying all that. We'll talk more about it uh, the next time we we, we catch up. But so Zuck's just been, he's been looking for the next thing, right? It's just because and he wants to own it because he, even though they're a trillion dollar company, they're literally at the whim of of Apple, right? And they're getting kneecapped by a bigger competitor. And uh, so that's why he wants to rebrand it and move into this direction and capture the mindshare. But then, um, I mean, Jack, you sent a really good thread from uh, one of these crypto punk uh, uh, profile picture accounts. But I mean, what was his general message? Why was he saying that uh, Facebook was doing this? It had to do around status and kind of like why there's a kind of setup to fail.
2: Yeah, so the observation made, we put it in the Telegram group. So uh, jump in there, and the observation he made was basically like the the social signaling component of all the Facebook products is waning. So the you know the curated influencer lifestyle or the photograph in front of the Lamborghini or the private jet that you rent for 10 minutes or you know it's like the toilet bowl next to the washing machine you know that
0: (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) that uh (laughs) nfts is kind of
2: exactly nfts are bringing this uh bringing this social signaling into a new level it's like there's check the chain type you know if we want to hark back to that idea where people's social status and their membership of certain groups and the time at which they knew about something which i think is another interesting social signal right not all of this is about how much money you spent on something a lot of it has to do with like provable um record of you know the first person to listen to this band or the first like person to share this thing i think those i think this this person's looking at it from a like obviously really heavily invested in nft culture and maybe like my counter to it would be maybe facebook is like not as close to like the highest the highest social signal platform there is maybe right. like the tiktoks and the snapchats and the like you know the platforms that serve younger people more specifically are closer to that but essentially he's saying the writing's on the wall because online behavior is changing and facebook doesn't have the apparatus to enable its users to participate in the you know the new the new tier of social signaling but from all the demos and stuff that I've seen a lot of it feels like uh was it cNBC who went on some TV show and did like a like a virtual reality um a virtual conference thing. room meeting yeah like yeah. A, a
1: virtual board meeting and people are like yo this is like your idea of the yeah future. which I
2: th- which honestly I think is like closer to what it's going to be than a lot of people are anticipating. Like, I don't think it's their core competency to like build some like hyper cool, compelling, culturally relevant thing, right? Facebook's kind of like, the, it's an infrastructure. Yeah. It's the rails. Yeah. Like they're not Fortnite. They're not, uh, they're not like a, co- a company that produces cultural artifacts that people care about. They just make products that are the rails for that stuff. So I'm I don't know. I think the um I think they already kind of serve a segment of the population that is maybe not as bleeding edge as it, they're going to need it to be in order to compete in that world but I also think the NFT world is kind of interpreting like their the the metaverse word is just such a ridiculous uh like catch-all buzzword and you can interpret it however you want right he might just be referring to like literally vr like he's going to put the facebook feed in vr or something right like (laughs) we're a metaverse company i don't think i don't know i I don't see it i don't see it in the same way that all of their other products haven't kept up with like the fast-paced um maybe i'm maybe i'm a little wrong there because i'm thinking just about the facebook platform maybe instagram keeps reasonable pace with the world of culture but i don't know i I think facebook has been like the age of the average facebook user has only been increasing with time is that a fair yeah, assumption? yeah like
0: facebook.com is, but i mean in like and the app obviously versus instagram
1: well they uh, we will see this like they're they're uh they do own VR. There's no question about it, right? Whether or not VR is the next platform, I mean, they have created the best goggle set. They are onboarding developers. I think the number they said they need to get the the uh, the Quest to four to ten billion like active users, which is not an insane goal, right? What do you mean? Uh, Wait, you said ten, 10 billion. billion or just, 10 oh, sorry, million. ten
0: million. Ten million. Yeah, all right, right. <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> But, by, but by, it sucks. By 10 billion, too. guys, yeah, well.
1: not insane whatsoever. The most yeah. reasonable goal. Um, no, but I think, Jack, you brought up a great point And it, it kind of touches on how bad I was at buying Bitcoin. But, like, there's going to be a lot of people... That aren't gonna know how to go into Discord to interface with NFT culture, right? And not even to say that this is what the metaverse is. I mean, your main point was like, who even knows what this thing is supposed to be, right? Yeah. By the time this episode comes out, they would have talked about it more, which is the you know the one uh, a big drawback of the nature of our recording. But you know, we do evergreen funny stuff. You guys are gonna listen anyways. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, uh, Bilal, so The question I had for you is. You are working at a company called Alphabet. So, Alphabet, for people that don't know, <laughs> that's the pairing that company yeah. of Google. Now, but dude, you were there. You were there for the reband from Alpha Google until the holding company known as Alphabet, uh, which is basically. So, Tall, won't you tell us when that happened in 2015? What you were doing, how they split up Alphabet into these different organizations, the rationale behind it, and how nothing's changed? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, the well, I was actually in Mountain View the day that it got announced. I had no one had an idea, like a regular employee like me didn't have any idea until the announcement. Okay. So it was kind of announced, basically externally, internally, pretty much the same day. I think maybe because it got leaked, I don't know. Um, and I just remember reading it and thinking, "What? Like this seems so weird." Like the Google at the time, anyway, was the number one, number two, like recognized brand in the world, right? Like alongside Apple and a few others. And it just felt kind of like, well, you've already got all this goodwill at the time, goodwill, maybe five, seven years later, it's a bit different. Uh, Why are you going to just like mess around and change the name? Uh, But then when you start reading it, you're like, okay, they're they're building this huge empire, they've got all these companies they've bought. um, And then they're going to have to restructure eventually. So they eventually bought Roof, the CFO in and also the company was just growing at such a crazy rate, right? So it becomes like a cluster of companies. So I think that was the logic, apparently, anyway. Um, so, yeah, I don't know enough. I mean, I think they uh, people speculated at a time that eventually they would have a company with every name, essentially, right? So, oh,
1: for uh, each letter.
0: Yeah, each letter of the alphabet, which they're probably not far off because there's probably like 20, 25 divisions or something like that. I don't, I mean, there's like six to eight core ones, but if you include all the acquisitions and stuff like that as well, I don't know the exact number. So it kind of made sense, but I don't know. Yeah, what what did you guys think from the outside like when that happened? Does it make a difference to you as like a regular consumer or whatever?
1: Well, I think, uh, I mean, I think most people would agree that in six years, not a single word is actually not a single person actually said the word alphabet. Yeah, say, like, oh my god, I if love you ask alphabet. Anyone what alphabet, alphabet is, most yeah. people don't know what it is. What's the yet? fourth biggest company in the world or fifth? It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, alphabet man. Of course. Of course, everybody thinks Google, right? It's just so insane that you take. I mean, this must drive Jack uh, to the, the the cliffs, man. It's like you take the lindiness of the word Google. And then you try to tuck it underneath. It just doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah, but comes a verb And then yeah.
0: you use something. else.
1: Totally. Well, I understand like why they did it. They wanted to basically seal off the crazy moonshot projects. Right. And, uh, this was, this is all as Larry and Sergey kind of leaving the company and handing the reins off to Sundar, uh, now the current CEO. But I think what's funny, and you mentioned it, man. So Ruth Porat was also the CFO at Morgan Stanley. And, uh, and she just, so she's like the force Gump of like tech. She, a lot of people don't know, but in like 2000, she basically saved Amazon and Jeff Bezos. She was working at Morgan Stanley and basically went to the CFO of Amazon. It's like, you guys should raise money now before the market crashes. And like, I mean, they, they, the team t- Amazon talks about it. Like she was able to make them raise over $500 million right before the crash happened and basically help them survive it. So she's like has this long reputation in, in kind of tech financing. And uh, I mean, what the, the running joke in, in fintech is like, she's just, she's a Terminator. She's like taking out all these moonshot divisions, right? She's like looking at them one by one and just taking them out to the shed and like shooting them in the head. And like, it's just like, she's just a total finance, like CFO professional. She's like, all right, where are we making money? Where are the money sinks? Where are the cash flows? And you know, Google as we well know, is up like 40% this year, right? It's up like double since the bottom of the pandemic. Yeah,
0: my, they killed it.
1: The ad yeah, machine has not stopped, right? I mean, th- I think that's yeah. a running joke. They did this massive rebrand, but the company, 90% of its revenue was advertising uh, six uh, years ago. 80% of the company's revenue is advertising now, right? Like nothing's
0: changed. But I think what people miss on that with us taking the whole episode on it is the mix between the ads, right? Because YouTube has become a much bigger, significant part of that. And uh, yeah, because it's like you go from just search ads to display, programmatic, all that stuff, as well as video. So I think, yeah, I think, and then there's cloud as well, which I know they've basically lost to uh, Amazon, but still it's growing pretty well for them. So, um, all right, talking of big tech, we've also got something we want to talk to you guys about, which is Apple um getting intel shook right so there's an event this week they've been killing it with this m2 chip right like now for people who don't know what this is who wants to give a go at explaining what this is versus intel because we've all grown up with intel pentium processors there was amd as well they were the two dominant ones yeah and in recent years apple was taking a different approach so maybe trung do you want to explain yeah, what's been going walk,
1: on let me walk through this and I, I know jack has some thoughts about uh jack dorsey And what he's going to be doing with uh, Square and potentially uh, Bitcoin silicon chips. But let's talk about Apple. This is actually so fascinating because of how large. I mean, so we all know semiconductors are new oil and it's just this massive industry, right? Like trillion dollar, multi-trillion dollar industry. And, uh, And what's just gone crazy is that Apple now. Manufactures the most powerful chips in the world or like their designs are the most powerful you think about how crazy that is right so like they're already the best consumer company in the world and now they're designing the best chips it's just it's unfathomable so what happened was there's a couple pieces of intel so intel obviously uh you know the name silicon valley basically intel is an integral part of that right it's like Intel came out of Fairmont Semiconductors. Uh, eight people left uh, that company in the 50s, which is a big semiconductor firm. And they started Intel. And Intel became, obviously, the biggest semiconductor uh, company in the world for the second half of the 20th century. And what happened with them and Apple is it, it, very interesting because two things happened. So the first thing that happened was that Apple went to Intel uh, in the mid-2000s. Steve Jobs went to Intel and says, will you manufacture a mobile chip for me? and Intel said no. The reason Intel said no, and it's a brutal quote, but you'll read the CEO, who I believe actually has passed now, but at the time, the CEO said something to the effect. And, you know, totally fair. The random numbers are like, based on what Apple's asking for, it doesn't make sense for us to manufacture this chip because it's too low margin. And the only way we can make it up is if they do insane volumes. So they underestimated two things. They underestimated the amount of volume that iPhones would do. Fair enough. And- They made the decision based on volume, uh, margin because their existing chips in laptops and data centers were very high margin businesses. So totally, totally fair business plan, right? They just had no idea where the iPhone was going to go. So that's the first part is Intel lost out on the mobile revolution. The second thing that's happened here now is that, so the announcement last week was that Apple released a new line of laptops that had the M1 chip, which is their own personal chip for laptops. And this has been a 12 year journey for Apple to remove Intel from their own laptops. And the reason they're doing it, I mean, there's three reasons, right? It's just not because it's not like they're being assholes. It's because, you know, Apple has always controlled the software and hardware experience. That's why they get to overpay or overcharge you for the iPhone, right? They're bundling the software and the hardware together. And they're doing the exact same thing with the chips. So basically saying, if you want this high performance M1 chip, you have to buy an Apple laptop, right? I mean, there are some downsides to that. It loses some of the customization uh, ability that you'd have. But basically, the M1 chip has better performance. Uh, uh, Apple can capture higher margins from it. And they have way tighter control over the experience. So like as a consumer, you're going to want the M1 chip, right? You're going to want the full controlled experience. If you want to buy a laptop, you're going to pay for it, but you have a way better experience. And uh, the only, the only things I'll add is that this has been 12 years in the making. So again, Intel lost the mobile business, but then the, how they lost this other part of the business was that Apple realized and it, it's always been their philosophy. They want to be fully integrated. They're like, we know that we're gonna to have to control the chip, and that's what they, they've been doing over the past twelve years. So, their most well, uh, the highest price acquisition ever was Beats by Dre for three billion in two thousand fourteen, uh, and then the most. Consequential acquisition ever was then when they acquired Next Computing, which was the company that Steve Jobs had started. So that was in 1997. But then, if you were to add the third one that you're going to put on, like the most well-known acquisitions, in 2008 they acquired PA Semiconductors, which is a semiconductor firm. They brought talent and IP in-house. Over the next 12 years, they started developing iPhone chips. This is the A1 and uh, and, and iPad chips. So like they've been working on this for 12 years man and uh, somebody made an amazing uh, tweet they basically said like some of Steve Jobs' bet are just paying off now right
0: so like mm. that's basically
1: what happened with Intel
0: that's awesome hey, yo Trunk, um or even both of you like have any of you got any of these new Macs by the way because even the M1 uh, from before right this no is the dude M2. I don't have
1: it. I'm so choked bro oh yeah I, I don't have it I'm choked I don't have it
0: I'm looking at mine I don't think
2: so I think I got Intel um But I need, I'm I'm, I'm ready for an upgrade, boys. I'm ready for an
0: upgrade. You're, up, you got, got, yeah, you're ready for an upgrade. Yeah, I got an studio, we got a studio. Oh my good.
1: Oh my <laughs> goodness, guys. If uh, yeah, we I think we're all gonna have to upgrade, man. If we want that that full CNBC look.
0: We got it going. All right, all right. So yeah, so that that is quite interesting. I mean, Trung, you've missed a history teacher right now, so I'm quite curious to dig into it a little bit more. Could you talk a little bit about like Taiwan, some semiconductor company and like how this ties in on the global scale? Do you know much about that?
1: I mean, I get, we could probably spend a whole episode talking about Intel and Taiwan semiconductors because Intel losing the lead was just so devastating, right? It's like, it's just, it's just so devastating on so many levels from, a, for America, from a geopolitical standpoint. It's like, so the problem with Intel too, is their business model is that they want to design chips and they want to manufacture. So they're fully integrated. And that's really rare now because Taiwan semiconductors, how they barge in the market. Now they're seven $700 billion companies. They're like, we're not going to design chips. We're only going to make them, but we're going to learn how to make the highest and most innovative and most difficult chips, but then everybody else can d- create designs for them. So Apple sends their designs to Taiwan semiconductors, right? Um, Other manufacturers that want to do uh, car chips, uh, Tesla chips, right? They'll they'll send it to Taiwan semiconductors to manufacture them. So they separated the design component from the actual manufacturing, whereas Intel still does both. Having said that, Intel now actually realizing where the industry is headed, they're devoting $100 billion over the next decade to have third-party manufacturing. But the question people will always have competitors in the space is, hey, if I send my design to Intel, how do I know that I'm going to get priority versus an Intel chip, right? So they're actually trying to separate those two parts of the businesses. And uh, something recently uh, actually just happened is like Global Foundries, it just filed to go public. They are a a a semiconductor manufacturing uh, uh, company they used to be part of AMD, but AMD spun them out for the same reason, right? Mm. It's because it's so expensive to have a single, I think it costs billions of dollars to open one of these factories, right? And uh, Taiwan Semiconductors is spending 30 billion in, in capital expenditures this year, maybe 20, 30 billion. So the whole point is that the, the, the way if you were to look at a semiconductor industry, it's being separated out to design and manufacturing. That's kind of a simplistic way of thinking about it.
0: But yeah, so... So, Trunk, to clarify, the, so on Apple's side, they design designed, these chips. They're designed, but, yeah, they are. But designed. they're still being manufactured by Taiwan yeah. Semiconductor or someone like that.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Got it. Okay, and then Intel is the same. They design, but then get manufactured by someone else.
1: Oh wait, for Intel? Yeah. No, they're they're doing their own. Which is what they do they, both. Yeah, they do both. Okay. they're fully integrated, which was a hindrance uh, over the In last. The past. Yeah, but now Got they're it. trying to. They brought in a new CEO, uh, Pat Gelsinger. I think that's his name. I, f- I forgot his name. But like, he used to be an old Intel employee, left to work at VMware, I think, and like came back. But the whole point is that he is supposed to be kind of this engineer mindset, whereas Intel for a while had kind of these managerial minds. But he's mm. supposed to come in and like rethink about how Intel can compete. I mean, we could literally spend.
0: Yeah, if, I think it's definitely an intro. Maybe we do a whole episode on it. But yeah, good to dip our toe in it this time. Um, but yeah the the summary of what I saw there was a graph going around I don't have it uh, linked here Uh, but it basically showed Intel's chips versus the M2 chip and I thought that was a beautiful summary Um, basically you know how much better they perform essentially especially when they're designing the hardware and they're creating these chips specifically for the hardware Uh, you know you just create a much more seamless um, experience basically so it seems to be making sense and working out for them Uh, All right. Anything else on on Apple stuff, boys, before we talk about creature toads and uh, (laughs) um, NFTs? I
2: think the, uh, I don't know how sharp of a transition we can make this, but the Dorsey Bitcoin mining silicon uh, chip.
0: Yeah, let's just talk about that now. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, it's
2: kind of a perfect transition. And I think, um, Trung, you probably have a better insight into this is like, how realistic is it given the concentration of uh, development of like silicon chips among like is that crazy like is the reason that that is concentrated in so few companies right now there's like geopolitical reasons for that correct
1: yeah no i think uh i mean we've actually we're kind of teasing this out a little bit but i mean i'll bring up a couple points it's like so what makes Dorsey? So just to confirm it, we're talking about how Dorsey wants to manufacture silicon chips potentially for Bitcoin mining and make it very focused on that vertical. Is that right?
2: He wants to build like a consumer focused hardware product for Bitcoin mining akin to like a square okay, you know, checkout module where you would just get it, plug it into your iPhone or the wall or whatever the hell, and it just it's user friendly and it just gets you going and it decentralizes Bitcoin even further. But it's a hardware product, obviously.
1: Yeah, so I think we've okay. So I'd like to throw a couple of concepts out there and have you guys hash on it. I think it, we definitely touched on this before about how Dorsey, Twitter, and Square might be better placed for Web three and crypto for a lot of reasons, right? Mm-hmm, Than a Facebook. Mm-hmm. So we yep. talk about Facebook is talking about quote unquote metaverse. So we know we know Jack Dorsey loves Bitcoin. Uh, it's in his profile for uh, uh, a uh, profile, uh, uh, whatever his profile. Download his Twitter, bio. Right? Yeah. Download it, file, people. It just <laughs> says Bitcoin. But um, they also have less baggage because they haven't been able to ship as many products that have been quote unquote successful, right? Twitter like kind of is the same as it was five, 10 years ago, like the use cases for right? So there seems to be, once they clear out a lot of the technical debt, which is what has slowed the product development, and that's why they're trying so many things now, right? It looks like they're, they're in this experimental phase. But yeah, it's like, it's so hard to do. But I think what, to your point, what's interesting, Jack, is like, because they have such strong consumer brands, is like, I mean, dude, you talk about it all the time, right? You own the audience. It's like, could you, could they be the one that bridges into the crypto world versus a Facebook, right? What gravitas does Facebook have in crypto? None. It's it's all its crypto projects have gone to shit. They keep redesigning the DM, uh, whatever its project is called now. I don't even know what it's called now. Uh, and uh, whereas Twitter... They, they probably have the backing or even they're way more tied into the crypto community just because of Twitter, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's not even mm-hmm. close.
0: Um, and Jack Dorsey is like really in, he's about that life. As I'd yeah, say, he's, a, he's I mean, about, he's about, about that the life. Bitcoin life anyway. Maybe not everything, but. I think even the design
2: of Twitter mm-hmm. is, is kind of, obviously it's a centralized business, but it is an open network to yeah, the greatest degree close. among all of the social networks that exist, right? Like, yeah, and people interact with the Twitter brand in a much more, like, you remember when Facebook oh. went offline a couple of weeks ago and Twitter, I think, tweeted out, said, hello, literally everyone. Yeah, they go, And they get, <laughs> you know, Brilliant. I know, hundreds of millions of impressions on that thing and people interact with it. Like, Twitter, I think, is where culture is documented and Facebook is where culture is kind of like phasing out. You know, yeah. it's a really yeah. interesting. Like, if you had a adoption curve of like, where news and where things that are happening right now are talked about, it's probably Twitter first, and then on the late the late end of the the bell curve, you have the Facebooks of the world. So I think like even before you can see why Dorsey and Bitcoin have a like there's an affinity there because it, it's almost in the product design of of Twitter and Square and Tidal Soon we we don't know much about that, but that's going to be an interesting.
1: Well, there was a news piece actually that came out a couple of days with Cash App Studios. I mean, we touched mm. about this actually. Yeah. Is like uh, they're gonna start. Uh, I think it's not even lending. They might be just giving grants to artists uh, based on information that they can gather from them, from Twitter, from Title. And uh, I mean, we've touched on this. Is like they are better placed to probably underwrite culture if they can combine Twitter and Square. They can front the money. Because they know they'll be able to make it back in some capacity, right? I think I think with Square it's very simple, right? They'll they'll give out grants to artists that they see are high potential or the equivalent of grants because those artists basically the only thing they have to do in return is like tip up Cash App, right? And once you get these guys in a Cash App or these girls in a Cash App, you monetize them through crypto trading, uh, which I wish I had a year ago instead of trying to get buy from Fidelity, <laughs> which doesn't do crypto or they'll do it if you have, do a minimum hundred thousand dollar buy. So, anyways. That's not me being salty, but I'm just going to put it out there.
2: The money layer that Facebook failed to implement because their plans were too grandiose, right? like, yeah. so we're going to invent a currency. I think Facebook has like pay and stuff. Like they facilitate that stuff, but they never became the same level as like the Cash App thing, I think just breaks out of the platform too. It's like, if you're buying something on Facebook Marketplace, you still use Cash App. If you're setting in a bill in a restaurant, yeah. you still use Cash App. Because I think they get culture and they got it out more effectively than Facebook would launch their payment product, which, you know, kind of is integrated inside their DMs and probably, probably you know, there are places in the world that probably use it a lot, but where culture is like the big, the, you know, maybe the United States culture is the biggest export. Like those guys have figured out a way to just be married up with that from the bottom up. Um, pretty I'm fascinating.
0: The other thing is, Jack, to what you're saying, they've got 100 different things, like this is one of 100, whereas for Square, they're doing quite a few things, but they've, they've been, they're a lot more focused than, say, Facebook is obviously because of the size. The only th- thing I could see working really well, and maybe we're completely oblivious to it because we don't use it here, is like WhatsApp, like payments or something within WhatsApp. Like, I don't know how that yeah. even works, but w- where they've got like a billion users, that actually communicate, especially in the developing world or outside the US, anyway. I, yeah, that and um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's a one to watch. I, I haven't looked seen any numbers on it. I think they're
2: just like more patient with their design as well. I know they're trying a lot of stuff now, but like they've been very patient with like the one feature MVP, like mm. where Facebook is just like constantly acquiring stuff, trying to mash it together. And just like you go on the news feed, it's got some new fucking bubble on the side or box going over the top of this thing. And Twitter's just like, here's the feed. Here's where you tweet. Here's the trends, right? They've done a few things with like how they curate stuff, but it's been, they've been patient. I'm sure they could have made more money in the short term by like banging ads between every tweet. And Facebook, I think, just went the way of like directly... You're kind of under no um, false assumptions about how Facebook makes money. I think the the ad experience on Twitter is so subtle that you almost forget that it's a thing, right? It's like,
0: but that's why the ads kind of shit on Twitter, right? right. <laughs> they don't right, like, but as that's well. why they
2: haven't made as much money in the in the short term. But if you're thinking about being like a more like pervasive cultural force over the long term, then you don't wanna you'd like. The short-term actions that extract profit are slowing down the not the growth of the network. Because Facebook got huge, but it's also the amount of I think the people who use Twitter are so attached to it, and this the communities oh, insane, and the cultures man. that are like born from Twitter is really nuts, dude.
1: How I mean, Facebook is not addictive at all. You know what I mean? It's like when people say, "Oh, you're addicted." to Instagram
0: is though, right? To IG be, is
1: I, yeah. To be fair, yeah. IG is,
0: but it's not. But you
2: you don't build community in the same way, like. I don't think this yeah, whole NFT different. economy would exist without Twitter. Well, this Instagram, you can't
1: even, you can't even share. I mean, you can't even retweet quote unquote on Instagram, right? Technically a,
2: you can, but it doesn't work the same way. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Share Yeah, I was going to say the equivalent is sharing on story there, but it's not the same open, obviously like very different. Way more mechanism. friction
2: in, uh, in those processes. And it's like the difference between your high school network versus, you know, Twitter is, I think, uh, basically a valid replacement for every social network, maybe with the exception of YouTube. If you think of it as a social network, which maybe it isn't, it's more of a search engine. Long Twitter, not financial
0: advice, not yeah. investment <laughs> advice. <laughs> definitely not.
1: Well, dude, um, I, 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 I'm long Twitter and it has not been good financial advice. So no, no, yeah, no. definitely.
0: Same.
2: You got to <laughs> yeah, see the um, vision though. This is like 2009 Bitcoin. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, the, this is the... This is not the action of a man who thinks in <laughs> quarters, right? <laughs> he's thinking long term.
0: Yeah, fair enough, man. So, boys, fair anything enough. else on, on Square though? Because I know we we also were sharing this article of, right out Pomp had written called Square as a Bitcoin Company. Uh, I would replace Bitcoin with crypto. You know, yeah. I think he obviously uses the word Bitcoin because he's very pro-Bitcoin that's one other thing like one other interesting thing is
2: like you know they're doing this nft verification and like the that's obviously going to be an ethereum native yeah there's i mean as far as we know that's going to happen right there's a twitter product designer that i think tweeted out a literal preview of the interface yeah. that they're working on yeah i saw that all the tipping though is uh cash app uh venmo i think and Stry- uh, strike so they don't, they, the monetization layer for tipping it doesn't include Ethereum right now, but they're going to build in this NFT verification. Yeah. And Dorsey did that troll of the uh, ith, uh, hashtag ETH is the. Oh, yeah, yeah. The,
1: Ethiopia.
2: Flag. Ethiopia flag. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Wait, wait, can you tell, so, Jack, can you tell what that is? Just in case. Yeah, so
2: I, th- I can't even remember. Um, I think people were just like hassling them. Like, you know, Bitcoin, when you do hashtag Bitcoin on Twitter, automatically renders that orange B after it. And I think a lot of the Ethereum community is like, oh, when are we getting it for ETH, ETH? And I think, uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, it seems like an obvious trial. I think the way that they uh, covered it up was it was during the Olympics. So he just tweeted out hashtag ETH and there's an Ethiopian flag that comes up after it. <laughs> Brilliant. And the reason you think it's a troll is because you do that for any other country. I don't know if the I don't know if a flag. I don't came think Pakistan's
0: so. is showing up, to be right, honest. Right, right.
2: Yeah, so uh it seems like he's kind of maybe there's some internal um I think the the reason they're not ignoring the NFT thing in the short term at least on Ethereum is because there's like such a like it's Twitter has been this really integral layer for growing the NFT economy. Obviously, like social the The profile picture which is the like banner nft product at the moment twitter has been the network that's propelled all of that so seems like a play to like keep those people interested but you know what maybe a long-term thing is like Tidal does an nft platform on bitcoin or yeah. some way they figure that out there's a square nft but i don't know it seems I like think it's- he's he's a he's like a consolidator over time rather than a uh, you know uh make a bunch of new branches for the sake of it
0: i think he just genuinely is like a bit of a maximalist he is Bitcoin Maxi, right so like i mean they did look like you said they launched that nft experiment which was i think ethereum based um they actually had their own nfts or something right this was a good few months ago but i think from like listening to him and other people like even pump um like they their opinion is like Bitcoin will become that base layer, and then all these other layer twos will be created, like smart contracts, etc. Which are already, you know, there's well, people stats, who are doing right? that. I mean, yes, stacks that.
1: With Patrick Stanley, uh, City exactly, st- and exactly.
0: And and I, that's a, you know, it's a valid opinion. Like I don't think you're crazy for thinking that. At the same time, you can't deny it. There's a huge head start from Ethereum, right? So, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing. I, I I think the other thing I will say uh, in this same piece. Um, well i don't know if it was this piece or the one from yesterday but even though he is pretty much a bitcoin maximist himself kind of like i don't know if he would officially call himself that um but like recently i think uh what was his name mark cuban was getting in a little bit of a beef with with bitcoin maximus on twitter spaces there was this kind
1: of funny thing
0: did did you catch that right and there was just like some funny stuff going on there and i I will say like pomp was like like, this is kind of stupid, right? Like, this guy is clearly pro-Bitcoin. Like, you're not going to... Uh, like, he can have valid, um you know, like, critiques of what's going on. And, like, you're not going to be able to move anything forward by just saying, have fun staying poor to Mark Cuban, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's... um I think there's a small minority who are very loud, but most people are fairly reasonable with it, including Pump, I think.
1: Well, it's Jack's point, right? It's like, you you're not going to get to bill or even your point you guys talk about is you're not going to get to Billion wallets just fucking shouting at people like hey you're you're you know like have fun staying for like just dumping on them left right and center if they're not buying like every single dip and selling their their clothes and their their firstborn child to buy <laughs> the dip
0: <laughs> well i mean even tr- um jack today you tweeted well done or like congratulations to all the coins right because obviously yeah. a lot of people like bitcoin all-time highs, and that to me, it just seemed like such an obvious yet ignored point of view for a lot of people. They do, everyone gets in these camps. It comes back to like episode zero where we talked about religion with upside, like two different camps, and Fiat Fan brought out the history of Protestants versus Catholics yeah. or something like yeah, that. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, yeah, man, there's there's many, there's many use cases. Everything's growing. Like stop stop fucking around with it. So um anyway i think that's a very interesting way to wrap up the square stuff anything else before we talk about keeping nft secure boys
1: no i think this is perfect i uh, this is perfect for well i mean it's doubly perfect because i don't know if listeners will have noticed by now my internet's so bad today that if jack can just go no one knows for the next 20 minutes and Bilal just hits him with cues i mean i'm gonna be here i just i'm not t- i keep on
0: seeing,
1: seeing that zoom uh prompt Internet connection unstable. I'm not liking it. I'm telling you right now, I'm not liking it, dude. Quit showing that to me. Um, But uh, you guys go. Let's hit it. Let's hit the NFT. That's cool. Yeah.
0: So look, I think we're gonna give a quick overview of what happened recently because the main point of this section is to talk about how to keep NFT secure. This is something I need education on as well myself. Um, So we'll get on to like hardware wallets and like essentially two factor authentication uh, and stuff like that but there was a story that happened you know by the time you listening to this a few days ago uh, where creature toads uh was hacked right that the discord for creature toads so back in up a second everyone who listens to this regularly knows what crypt toads were right half of you are holding them apparently then there's another nft project called creatures or something pretty cool stuff and someone created a hybrid of these two things and i personally think they were actually really well made like really cool art um and long story short the discord got hacked and the scammer made what's called a fake mint so people would click through and think they're minting some sort of nft connect their wallet and then their wallet would get rinsed right so they'll would jump out of it uh maybe nfts would jump out of it i'm not sure i think it was just ETH from what i can understand and the headline was 89 ETH was stolen from lots of people. I think it was a few hundred people. And that's around 330K in US dollars in today's rate. Um, But the crazy thing is, this was all while I was asleep, but apparently the hacker, who's 17 years old, return the money and now he then Legend. eventually jumped on a twitter uh spaces with the team himself and i think uh i'd read that the dapper lab ceo even like jumped on it for a minute because they had had a hack as well there were lots of like discord hacks basically um so and uh, you know our boy tom osmond posted in his discord chat that like be careful don't click any of these links right now because there's a lot of things going on so that's a long way of saying you know, like there's this stuff is happening all the time. And even myself, like I've held crypto for ages and I've had, you know, hardware wallets for ages as well. And I feel fairly confident with those or comfortable with those. Um, But with NFTs, there's just that feeling of when you're about to transfer ETH or especially NFTs, you're just waiting a few minutes to send it over and you're just worried it's lost. Right. And like it costs a little bit more with the gas fees so jack you're our resident nft expert right and i know you've obviously got your own little portfolio to put it in the lightest um of nfts uh some of the big blue chip ones and hundreds that you've also uh some of them you've sold yourself as well so like for someone listening to this like if you were trying to say here's a recommendation of how to keep things secure like how would how should someone think about this
2: I think the first recommendation and we've got a thread that we'll put we should put in the telegram and the um and uh, under this video or in the show notes of the podcast but the first thing i think if you're any amount of money past you know five bucks you should be using the hardware wallet which is you know is going to gate every transaction you make so that's not going to keep you 100 safe you're still going to have to use judgment but a hardware wallet essentially means like it's going to ask you for physical confirmation of a transaction so if you're minting something on a website it's then going to ask you it's going to flash up on the hardware wallet and say confirm the contract address confirm the amount press yes so that stops you know that stops you your wallet getting drained if someone takes remote access of your screen or you give someone your seed phrase, which... You or know, you've got the, like
0: a rogue Chrome extension, which I've heard happens to a lot of people. Right. As well.
2: There's just, I mean, and I think we're basically at the beginning of this, right? Some of the most mm. talented criminals in the world will be uh, figuring out how to do this because it's just now blipping into the mainstream and getting into like Coinbase, NFT wallets. And we're only at 100,000 OpenSea or 200,000 OpenSea accounts. So... Mm. Um, it's this lucrative at this scale. It's kind of a crazy, uh, it's a crazy thing, right? So, the I think the cardinal rule is seed phrase. So, once you have a hardware wallet or you know any crypto wallet, you have a seed phrase. Never type it in anywhere. So there's there's varying degrees of security you can take physically with that. Like you can put it on steel, stick it under stick your, it in, bell. Under your <laughs> kettlebell. You can you know put two copies of it in different locations. I think there's also a larger discussion to be had about like what happens if you get hit by a bus and half you, and if you've got the Balaji portfolio yeah. going on, like your family needs to figure, needs to know where this stuff is and how to get access to it. So that's another kind of tangential point. But when you're setting all this stuff up and you've got your seed phrases, you have your, you know, the, uh, your next of kin or whoever would be in charge, of your assets, if you were no longer capable of accessing them, all of this information needs to go to them as well, but never, through a computer so key loggers and there's all these creative ways people can get in touch with you one of the huge ones is discord which you mentioned for this one so that's this is a new one where they've actually compromised the official discord server because normally i would well even a week ago i would have used the like verify the twitter account is real go to the discord link in the twitter account because you can essentially clone anything and that's the crazy thing about digital right you can make the discord look like it's the same discord you could basically copy all the activity and put it back in it would be very difficult to do but i wouldn't put it past people who are you know if you can make a a half a million bucks in an evening then people are gonna get creative with it um you know all the normal phishing stuff like don't click unauthorized links don't answer dms to people that are like
0: hey i'm giving away a crypto punk yeah and that happens a lot in discord right like there's a lot of people you gotta turn
2: your dms off at this point if you're in any of these servers that's one of the actual you know if there was one feature that discord is like i think this is just cannibalizing their their adoption i think is letting letting people that are just in a server with just send you a dm like you don't have that experience on slack where you log in in the morning and there's like 400 unopened dms and they're all (laughs) just bullshit like hey come and press this button and you know it's like the spam folder of an email essentially is like on the front page of your discord it's nuts uh so just turn dms off in discord as that's another um another one and i think like verifying the contract address that you're interacting with is mm. is really important as well. But this is getting more difficult because if the if the Discord is compromised and someone's telling you that the real smart contract address is the fake one, the then one, you're interacting yeah, exactly.
0: with it. So this part, uh, Jack, just to, to jump in for a second, this part is like the due diligence part, right? Like there's the software hardware part. So if you've got a MetaMask wallet in the browser or you've got a hardware wallet or you've got an another Ethereum wallet elsewhere mm-hmm. on your phone, like obviously store the, the seed phrase offline, not in a password manager, not in um you know not in ever notes or or whatever yeah 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 you need the physical copy Uh, what i've heard from some other people when i've researched this like you said is if you've got like a 24 seed phrase or whatever like this 24 words that you write down and for people who don't know that essentially means you can like uh reset up the wallet so like if you lost access to it your computer crashed or got stolen you can go and sign up again with that seed phrase so anyone who has that seed phrase can you know redeem the wallet i think a lot of people listening to this already know that but i think where uh people get a little confused is like oh where am i gonna put this so like for example um you can you know people write on pieces of paper but there's fires uh they get the house burgled or something like that which is obviously extreme but that can happen to people um but yeah so having multiple copies in different locations ideally so i've heard people saying like the first 12 words i'm going to put in one location the other one in another location so like it's very unlikely someone can get all of those things but then specifically on the hardware wallet let's just go into that because to explain how that works that that it's not you're not like storing bitcoin on the hardware wallet right it's storing your private keys in this encrypted device so that device is not interacting with the internet really it's it's kind of stored in its own place so you're using that as like two-step verification essentially the way we're used to doing that for email other stuff like that so i think yeah making sure the other basic one is honestly making sure you're not using the same passwords obviously which is like across the internet but like you'll be surprised how many people still do that and um and uh having you know making sure because like there's a lot of hacks that put your credentials on some random website right and like they can use those same credentials to log into coinbase or whatever like that so yeah that that's that so then let's just talk about the hardware wallet first uh, this is getting a little tactical but just to confirm what is the wallet that you're sending it to is it just a normal ethereum wallet or is it like a because you know there's like the different tokens and stuff i'm not 100 sure how that works so
2: the hardware wallet, I use it, uh Ledger Nano S with MetaMask, and you can, it can you can spin up a new wallet address with a hardware wallet. So the hardware wallet is could be the the verification device for all number of different currencies. So that's like a firmware support update a bunch that you of would do on ones, the wallet.
0: Right? Yeah.
2: yeah, so you can have Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, whatever else in you know supported by one hardware wallet and um yeah it's just gonna it's just gonna ask you to verify the transaction each time you run one i don't know much outside of the metamask experience the ledger isn't my favorite i a lot of people said the trait the treaser is is a little bit superior so it might yeah. give that one a try um but it's it's safe like it's just a little janky in some instances but it's you know it's uh I, I sleep well at night with the stuff stored on it or at least stuff gate kept by it it's not stored on it right that's a uh, yeah another misnomer that is-
0: and just one thing to add on the hardware wallet i know we're getting tactical but this is how it's useful is, yeah yeah um make sure you buy it from the official site not right. necessarily like amazon or ebay especially because there were reports of people selling like um you know mouth like fake ones compromise or compromise ones the, yeah yeah compromise exactly so they've they've got some malware on it and they can track everything so that's another annoying thing um and also to call out like I I have one of those as well but they did get hacked a few years ago I think and it released like everyone's addresses and stuff like that into some some crazy place so yeah there's all of these things come with risk but I think that's probably worth doing. So to clarify, it's just basically you've set up the hardware wallet with the MetaMask wallet, and it's linked, right? Because if you go to MetaMask, there's something like in the settings you can do um, something hardware wallet, right? Yeah, Connected. MetaMask
2: with Ledger, I think it's
0: called. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly.
2: All right, and, cool. I use a hot wallet as well, which is like inadvisable for some stuff, like. Uh, but that's like you know when you're doing like when you're trying to mint something in two minutes, and you've got to do the eight-digit code on the. Uh, yeah. ledger. You're like uh, what? Walk through what the hot about.
1: wallet. What exactly is a hot wallet?
2: So that's just that's just living in the or you access this strictly through the the browser plugin in Chrome. So it's exactly the same experience. You just type experience. in your
0: password, but there's yeah. no second like two factor equivalent.
2: Yeah, the exact same experience, except you don't have that secondary authentication. And that's like I need to phase out that behavior immediately because this stuff is just getting so. But having, though, but
1: having said that Jack In the episode with Tom Osmond We talked about why you didn't buy an ether rock Because you didn't have anything in your hot wallet
0: Yeah Yeah yeah. that's a good Dude. point
1: So you the left delay. 10 mil on the table brother <laughs> <laughs> I, and, climbing.
2: I, I, but and climbing
1: I've, I've listened to the episode a number of times I know the exact thing I, have. I said When Jack what's your excuse You're like I had nothing in the hot wallet Didn't want to pull out the ledger Didn't think it was worth it Yeah Oh my that's goodness, true. dude! Oh. I mean,
2: yeah that that's another thing. Is like, it's kind of a high stakes game, right? Like, let's be honest that this is if this is your well, we've made this very clear across all of our episodes. Not investment <laughs> advice. Like, this should not be treated with the same degree of of uh, certainty or reliance as a as an investment vehicle that is FDIC insured <laughs> or whatever else, right? Because it absolutely not. is not.
1: Go buy the Bitcoin futures, people. That is covered under (laughs) the commodities and futures and the boomer buy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: I think it's it's pretty sad. I think this Ethereum, uh, you know, the MetaMask experience with NFTs is really where it gets kind of crazy because you don't realize how... I think people don't quite... Get how easy it is to like spin up these like mm. attempts to right. steal Just money. And cool. it's and it's and it's it's running alongside these very legitimate projects, too, right? It, I don't think Bitcoin had this issue in the same way. There's obviously like those dumbass Twitter things where it's like. Send me one bitcoin, I'll send you ten or whatever <laughs> they do.
0: Uh, oh, you mean Chamaf7229 yeah, 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 yeah. on Twitter? <laughs> what <With> the <laughs> Chamaf just giving away the,
1: uh, with the blue check mark. Yeah, we still yeah. can't get blue check marks. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Didn't Elon didn't Elon uh, someone got control of his account? What did they tweet? Send yeah, they asked to this exactly address.
1: right. Yeah, they idiots. The, you got idiots. the well, I, I mean, we'll, talk, we'll do a quick joke on that. Was like uh, Matt Levine, Bloomberg writer that we talk about often is just like, listen, man, if you're gonna You're going to do that with Elon's account. It's very simple, right? You buy some puts and you say, hey, we're not hitting our numbers. And then Tesla tanks. And then you get your puts, right? Of all the things you could have done, this is what you did. It was
2: weak. weak. Yeah. Um, So just, uh, I think it's like, a byproduct of all the excitement, and you're taking advantage of like people who are just deliriously clicking stuff because they think they're about to, you know, get 900x return on a 200. And a lot, of, and a lot of this
0: is based <laughs> on the time, right? Like you want to be early, right? Which is the kind of right. part of the the sense of urgency comes from. Oh, let me do this before they run out, which is why they work in the way they do. Uh, but I was li- I was reading some of the comments, and because um, I listened to the. Twitter spaces with the hacker on YouTube. Someone had posted it. And like some of the comments were like, look, this was even my fault. Like I clicked the link and minted it before even doing any due diligence. Like it's I'm not saying it's all their fault because clearly the the Discord was compromised. And just to clarify, they've returned all the money. One, because mm-hmm. the hacker had done it. Two, apparently, the owners of or the people who started uh Creature Toads had said they would have to do it out of their own pocket anyway. Uh, because it's obviously a bad look for them, um, but yeah, it was a pretty good reminder. Like for everyone, like to take this stuff seriously. Um, so to quickly summarize, making sure all your email credentials are good, use a hardware wallet. Um, I also uninstalled a bunch of Chrome extensions that could oh, be like amateur oh hour, my God. or like create a new profile which doesn't have which doesn't have like a bunch of Chrome extensions, like as a dedicated one um buy a new then,
2: macbook and only use it for nfts yeah, yeah. So.
0: <laughs> exactly yeah.
1: <laughs> no but legitimately uh, right um uh, hold yeah. on i, I actually had one i again i want to make sure i still haven't bought an nft yet so this is funny fiat in full fiat mode but i remember the uh the one dude that got his open Sea uh um uh, uh, his nfc's jack he brought up a great one was uh there is a 2fa that sends you a qr code it's like don't show anyone the QR code. That's what he said. He's like so they did a pretty elaborate scam where they contacted him from the Discord as fake people, right? I think Jack, you might have. I think we touched on this before. But then they're like, hey, they pretend to be like OpenSea uh, admin. Might have even been like pretended to be like the the, the executives at OpenSea. And they're just like, hey, just uh, let me see uh, your uh, your 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 QR code or, or whatever it was, man. Anyways, that QR code people. Don't show people your QR code. That's it. That's my two cents.
0: That's it. Yeah. If anyone has any other tips, you can add them in the, the comments. Um, We've got a good thread see. as well. The yeah, we'll, let's we'll share it. Uh-huh. Let's share it in the Telegram and then people can go and check it out there. Um, yeah. All right, boys. That was good. Anything else, Jack, before we before we lock off? I
2: don't think so, no.
0: Oh, right, um, The last thing I will say, sorry, I forgot to mention the 17-year-old who... You know, like fair play for him for giving it back. I don't know if that was because he got caught or not, but who knows? The the funniest thing, to be fair, was he did say, can we wrap this up? I've got school tomorrow, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Legendary. Legendary. <laughs> yeah, that is like something that's going to be referenced for sure. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I think there's also like
2: a weird incentive to do it because of the traceability of it as well. Yeah, like,
1: he'll get hired, right? Somebody's going to pay this, give this guy the bag. He's so talented. Yeah. He's clearly talented. Yeah. Just turn him into a white hat.
0: <laughs> yeah that's it um, alright boys anything else I know uh, we covered a lot we, we covered a lot today a lot.
1: well let me, let's do one last thing uh, if my internet connection uh, allows let me go through some of these uh, this is my greatest Chung was getting my nirvana you guys <laughs> yeah, saw some hilarious. of this this is amazing let's all right, go so through so for it. people
0: listening Trang is sharing repl- responses or like quote retweets of his epic shit post on Squid Game on Squid Game, so... Well, I'll talk through the mechanics.
1: I think Jack will... uh we've, I mean, we have talked about the memification of content. And, like,
0: mm.
1: I just... I actually looked back at this uh, tweet I did and just kind of admired it. <laughs> it's like... It was just... The perfect in my, it, it would just hit the crossroads of shit posting. It, two things happened. It's like you have this squid game, this Netflix, uh, the South Korean Netflix show, which is completely taken over the world. You have Bitcoin hitting all time highs. And then you just have the dumbest possible takeaway from this tweet that I did. So the, the TLDR of this tweet is that I just talked about how it took 10 years to make squid game. Netflix says that it created $900 million of value. But then I brought in the fact that this guy, the director of Squid Game, could have made $900 million if he had just invested $150 in a Bitcoin in 2009, which is like, the oh, dumb, it's the dumbest take ever. Yeah. And then, uh, but the whole point being is that 80% of Twitter apparently doesn't have a sense of humor. Somebody brought it up actually. Uh, uh, Gary Tan, a VC over at Initialize, he commented on this and he basically said, he's like, oh my God, it looks like socialist Twitter got a hold of this tweet. And there is a whole sub segment of Twitter, which are basically just socialist and, and people LARPing as communists. And they're, the comments are just incredible. Look at some of these names. So David, a uh, socialist martial artist says, could you imagine seeing the world this way? My answer of course, is I don't see it this way. It's a joke, you knob. And then... <laughs> And then there's a guy by the name of Communist Kaju Skeleton. This guy sounds like a real capitalist. He goes, <laughs> I effing hate these nerds so much. And then hold on. Let me get some of the good names here. Uh, uh,
0: this is anyways. reminding me, Shugazi Socialist. This is reminding me of that, that yeah. viral video of the comrades in a room. Yeah. Do you remember this? We said that was an epic video. Well, dude,
1: here it is. Look at these names. Yeah. Shugazi Socialist says, this is one of the most evil tweets ever. Let me just go through. Let me see if I can find any more names. Uh, yeah, no more of the names here. This, this one was good. J.R. Huang says this uh, BT Maximus. Wait. Oh, this one's great. Little Mihai's, does he
0: know Is we're speaking to Fiat fans I know. as of six God months ago. Bought
1: Bitcoin <laughs> at 55000 So this person wrote Cryptards are brainlets. <laughs> Mihai doesn't realize. <laughs> I can't that like I that one. Mihai didn't even realize. I couldn't figure out how to buy Bitcoin a year ago when it was at <laughs> 10000 So, these people, the jokes on you guys.
0: Sarcasm uh, doesn't translate, mate. All three of us, we've all lived in the States, right? And like, clearly, lots of Americans get sarcasm, obviously. But I have to say, coming from the UK, where a lot of our humor is like straight-faced humor. Yeah. Or like very dry. Dry, yeah. Like, my sense of humor 100% had to change. Like, I would I would be getting in trouble as soon as I got here. I'd say something with a straight face and people thought I was being 100% serious. Uh, I don't know if that's happened to you guys, but I definitely had to adjust when I when I, I moved there. Like,
1: Yo, just watch a Ricky Gervais special, people. Just watch a Ricky oh my Gervais god, special,
0: legend. People. All right, boys, I think we can wrap it up, but um, but that was a solid one. Let us know what you think of this in the comments below or in the Telegram. Um, there's lots going on. We have got more coming for you guys. Uh, this is just the start with NIA. We officially uh incorporated or we are in the process of incorporating so that is uh, stuff to watch out for we mentioned that in the telegram as well and as always this is not investment advice all vibes no facts and we'll see you next week cheers